All right, everyone, it's lights out and away we and like Max's car being the first car to pass the finish line. We're ready to roll. Woo! Ian, one hell of a season, one hell of a finale. It, it would only made sense for this crazy of a race to happen in 2021 with this crazy of a year that we've had. Uh, it's just been spectacular all around. I I think anybody could have told you that having the 2021 season that we did, uh, it kind of seemed like Lewis was just pulling away at the very beginning, and boy, did that not feel right. And of course, we have all the kind of drama that we will get all into, but yeah, man, uh, just round of applause for F1, round of applause for both of the teams and both of the, the top two drivers. Um, this It was just awesome, man, and, and it was exactly what we needed to, uh, to give us that last little oomph to hold us over until March, where we get to uh, see these cars on track again. Yeah, exactly. And to wrap up our finale episode of this 2021 race season, we're going to go over our good, bad, and ugly. We have some quick headlines to cover. Ian is going to give us kind of just, we need a full race recap summary of really what's been going on that entire race. There was just so many weird things that happened. So Ian's going to take us through and kind of walk us through what all happened there. And then we're going to finish out our finale of the race predictions recap. That as well was a crazy, crazy finish. Crazy. I mean... I think just as many people have been writing about our uh, race predictions finale as have been writing about the uh, finale of Formula One. So, yeah, I'm excited to get to that. Yeah, just not as much controversy, but still as much entertainment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so moving straight along to our good, bad, and ugly, I can start us off here with my good being lawyers. I... As if they don't get paid enough, it seems like they could be making some serious, serious money dealing how with how the race ended and the decisions behind the brain trust made with their fearless leader, Michael Massey. So it seems like we're going to have, like, there seems like there have been some differing stories on whether Mercedes will do anything. Uh, but I can only imagine that their team of lawyers stopped exactly what they were doing the second that decision was to let Max through. So uh, whatever happens there, uh, it seems like the lawyers are going to be on the benefit side of that situation because, uh, yeah, I, I, I could see this going uh, and Mercedes really pressing down, not necessarily towards Red Bull, but towards the FIA and Michael Massey. My bad is going to be racing with number one. Over the past three drivers, I believe, that have switched to driving in the one after winning the championship, the drivers have finished P5 the following year. I don't personally see how that's really possible with how Red Bull and Mercedes have been in the class of their own, but you never know with the new car coming in, these uh, cap dollars decreasing. Uh, so it could, you know, cause a little bit of uh, craziness and, and teams trying to figuring out what how to best drive this car. Uh, some people may call me extremely petty for this, but if I'm Lewis, I'm switching to number 33. You take my championship, I take your number. <laughs> I love that, actually, yeah. <laughs> my ugly is going to be the hate of poor sweet Yuki Tsunoda has been taking all year, especially from some certain people. He is, I would say over the second half of the year, maybe the like second half of the second half, we've been showing some pretty decent drives. He's just been really unlucky in, in so many of them. Finally, we get to see him with his best finish of his career with a P4. Seems like both Yuki and the AlphaTauri team are trending in a good direction going into the offseason, which I'm guessing many of these losers telling him that he needs to go are shaking with anger and shaking with fear. So, uh, yeah, really ugly scene for the Yuki haters watching him finish this season off on uh, on a high note. Yeah, I have no idea who you're talking about. Couldn't be me, but yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Always been about big, 
big Yuki guy, so uh, happy mm-hmm. to see him finally up in P4 where he belongs. Can't wait to see him get a podium next year. Uh, I will be right about everything at that point. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. Yeah, definitely not out of the <laughs> Formula One racing world. Right. That's not what you said. No, no, definitely not. It couldn't be me. Um, all right, good stuff, man. Moving on to my good, bad, and ugly. My good is going to be Liberty Media. Max Verstappen is going to take home the Drivers World Championship trophy, but Liberty Media are the winners of this whole season. No PR is bad PR, and whether you like it or not, people have been talking about F1 absolutely incessantly ever since Sunday, and that's just good for awareness. Um, like outlets that have never covered F1 before, I saw something on NBC News just talking about the controversy. So, um, you know, whether or not Liberty are the puppet masters, kind of pulling the strings behind all this, making, uh, you know, making the, the decisions on track, getting the PR out to those news outlets, um, you have to admit that they have had more drama and excitement during the, the best possible time where viewership has been exponentially rising. It's just been exploding. Um, this sport has been exploding among, you know, among new audiences, especially the American audience. It's just been the perfect storm for them from an entertainment perspective. So, Godspeed to the folks at Drive to Survive for even trying to pick out the best and biggest points of the year. Um, I think there was a lot of heat from them or heat on them, I guess, last year um, when like they left out pretty massive points of the season. And that's only obviously going to get 10 times worse now because just so much has happened. I watched a recap and it was like, man, I don't, I, that was a massive point. I, you know, and, and I didn't even like remember, um, you know, that that was this year. So yeah, Liberty Media is my good. My bad is going to be Nicholas, old Nicky boy Latifi. In all of this, he has been taking quite a beating from the Mercedes and Lewis fans on social media, um, especially since his team, Williams, have a Mercedes engine. That was kind of the worst thing you could possibly do to the Mercedes AMG Patronus team empire. Uh, you know, Not that he ever really had a shot to get into the team, I don't think, like into a Mercedes car. Um, you know, I, th- I think he's just a pay driver that's going to be on those like on those lower teams, just you know, happy to be there and happy to pay up. Uh, but man, way to screw over your daddy team. I was thinking about this because we've always, obviously, since over the course of the last couple days, um, you know, he's been taking a lot of heat. Thank God it was him though, because imagine if it were an Alpha Tauri crashing out with with five, oh, you know, like a Red Bull Junior team. Um, that caused all this, I think that would be, you know, the conspiracies would be flying 10 times more. All those tinfoil hats would be put on. So, yeah, it's good that it was a team that had a Mercedes. Uh, it was kind of in the Mercedes family. Um, but, yeah, I mean, poor Nicky has just been kind of really, uh, really getting bent over a barrel by these people on, on the Internet and on social media. So um, all things will pass. But uh, my bad will be Nicholas Latifi. My ugly... And I don't mean to, um, you know, have a subtle jab at uh, at Marco here for picking Aston Martin both in his, uh, you know, in his fantasy and uh, picking Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel in his fantasy. But for all the hype that Lawrence Stroll gave with his new team rebrand and then the tra- trajectory that they were on, um, they scored half as many points as P6 Alpha Tauri. So ending up with 77 points in P7 in the Constructors Championship. Didn't even really make it close uh, after hopes of fighting for P3, just like Racing Point were doing last year. Also, their team principal might be leaving. Uh, you know, Ferrari seem like they're on the big time up and up. Aston Martin just kind of seem like the complete opposite. They're going the wrong direction. Obviously, new rules and regulations coming in next year, which is going to be nice. It'll give them a little bit of a chance to reset. But, man, was it a tough year for Aston Martin, especially with how good Racing Point was last year. 
Yeah, that uh, that definitely bothered me quite a bit, and <laughs> I feel like they're going into this off season with just like no direction. Yeah, it, they, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the morale has got to be extremely low there uh, with how bad of a turnaround they did from the year prior. Yeah, and another uh, like going back to the my good of Liberty Media. Do you remember when Sebastian Vettel scored a P two and they just disqualified him? Like that would have been. Oh, yeah, that- <laughs> That would have been, you know, almost one-fourth of their entire points that they finished with. So, yeah, just a very forgettable season all around for Aston Martin. Uh, But we will see you next year. See you next time. See you next time. Mm, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And moving right along from our good, bad, and ugly. Way to wrap that off tight and nice, Ian. Uh, We're going to go through our quick headlines but before we get to that ian i believe you have an ad for us i do this part of the podcast is brought to you by the massey magicians for hire company so step out of the monotony of daily life waking up going to work coming home watching tv going to bed yuck boring spice up your life add some variety into your day birthday or corporate event with massey magicians for hire think you can predict what life will look like with the massey magician Think again. With one push of his magic button, CEO of the Massey Magician Group, Michael Massey, will forego the foreseeable, exterminate the expected, and abstain from the obvious. That's right, you never know what you're going to get with an all-powerful wizard as he contorts time and space and makes you question everything you know about normalcy. If you're the kind of person who likes a little unpredictability cocktail with the side of, what? Then Michael Massey's Magician Group is the only magician group you need to call to be absolutely amazed. Call your doctor before contacting Massey Magicians for Hire, as if you have high blood pressure, a respectable IQ, or anger issues, the Massey Magician Group might not be right for you. Satisfaction results may vary in justice, reason, explanation, or overall understandability of how things happen the way they do. Never come in contact with the Massey Magician Group if you plan on sleeping soundly and without your mind spinning for within three days of contact. The Massey Magician Group is no longer taking patients at this time, as a long, drawn-out lawsuit will be taking up a majority of the time that the Massey Magician Group will have on hand. Please accept apologies in advance as the Massey Magician Group tries to figure out its next step forward, as well as the answer to the question, why is life so cruel and why does nobody like me massey magician group give us a call yeah that was our ad don't love them but <laughs> you know they pay us money um the the few dollars that they will have to their name yeah they're, they're, uh, they're about they to go down they're about to get cleaned out but yeah we will take yeah. uh we'll take the leftovers all right let's get into some recent headlines i uh, don't have too many so we can go through this relatively quickly but um starting off I saw this. It was kind of a rumor at first, but enough people were posting about it that it was like, oh, okay, uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is real. So this is a this is a maybe a maybe headline. Uh, Mercedes has DM'd the biggest F1 influencer accounts on the internet to ask them for their email. Um, we were looking for a, like a least common denominator. When I say we, just like the internet F1 community. What they all have in common is that they posted the video of Toto celebrating and crowd surfing, pretty visibly hammered. Um, and so Mercedes, I think, was just trying to kind of mop that up, scrub the internet a little bit, just as powerful people can do. Um, and yeah, it was just it was it was very funny that they were like, "Oh no, Toto got out, seeming to have like a good time. Can't have that out there in the public." So uh, yeah, that was it was just kind of fun, fun little story, huh? Yeah. I also thought it was funny when so many people were saying after watching that video, like, Toto definitely didn't care about this. Like, you think Toto cares about this championship? I was like, <laughs> I think this is exactly what someone that really cares and devastated about a championship would do is get obliterated. So, yes, I think he's probably struggling a lot inside. Yeah. One thing that you can tell about Toto is he really doesn't care about his work. That's a fair assessment, I think. 
Yeah, he's definitely moved on. Look how drunk and happy he looks. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't care about this at all. Okay, well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. Moving right along, we have Aston Martin's Sebastian Vettel winning the ultra-coveted Crypto.com Award for Most Overtakes during a season. Uh, obviously, this is... Who who knows what's better? Uh, you know, Max winning the Drivers' Championship, Mercedes winning the Constructors' Championship, or this Crypto.com Most Overtakes. We will never know, honestly. Uh, he was actually making some fun of winning the award, asking if his prize was a thousand jelly beans. So uh, I think the confusion of this award and uh, everything about it is as confusing as it is for the fans, as it is for the drivers. They know it's just a, a thing, an award that was just kind of added. So they don't really know the uh, the relevance of that. Yeah, I think like during the press conferences that they had, like Sebastian and Alonzo got together in one and they were like, oh yeah, like what is, what are we, what are we doing there? <laughs> like, like what are we, what's going on? Like, why is this important? Why, like, do we get points for this? Do we get money? Um, but yeah, this was it's just kind of like, if I were crypto.com, I'd be a little bit upset because you know that's not like cheap to do. And you basically have, you know, any of the drivers that are in contention for it, making fun of it. But yeah, congrats to Sebastian Vettel. Good job. Clap it up. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Moving on, we have, uh, I didn't know whether to call this useless stats or just Red Bull propaganda, but I want to drop a little bit of statistics bomb on you there, Marco. So here we go. Um, You probably didn't know that when Lewis was 24 versus Max being 24, they had some differences. Max has more race wins, more fastest laps, more podiums, more points, more laps led uh, than all, you know, seven-time championship, quote-unquote, Lewis Hamilton um, that was a great tweet from Red Bull supporters that are doing their damnedest to really manipulate the data in the best possible way because here's the context for that. Lewis joined F1 at 22. Uh, Max joined at 17. So Max had a, basically a five-year head start for these statistics. Um, at that point of his career, Lewis had 40 races under his belt. Max has about 100 more at 141. The scoring system was different. Uh, for Lewis's first three years. So this is this is just one of those that was circulating around the internet, like, oh, wow, man, look at this Max Verstappen guy, when it's really like, all right, let's let's uh, rein it in a little bit. Let's get some more context to it. But, you know, if you're a Red Bull fan fighting with Mercedes fan online, that's an easy, uh, you know, easy stat to bring up and be like, hey, well, what? how do you explain this kind of deal? How do you explain it? Yeah. Trump. That's a nice Trump card yeah. for those Red Bull fans. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, great. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but there is a potential for the lawyers on both sides of Mercedes and Red Bull to bring this to a Swiss court system since that's where these things are decided at the highest level. There is like a 99% chance that Max still stays a champion. Uh, We don't see really that necessarily changing, but Mercedes could sue for the money that they'll lose by not having Lewis win the Drivers World Championship. So uh, yeah, this will be kind of a fun little tidbit to keep an eye on during the offseason. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think Max will stay winner of the championship, uh, but Mercedes could just be like, hey, you know, we have budget caps coming in next year. Let's just uh, let's just at least have some wiggle room and, and get some money back from them. So interesting stuff. And then finally, uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton gets knighted officially. So oh, was there? I, I swear this happened like. A year and a half. It did. So, like, I looked into it because I was like, I've been hearing him called Sir Lewis for like a while now. 
I don't know the process exactly, but back in June of 2021, I saw something where he was knighted, and then just again this morning, I saw something again where he was knighted again in like the Windsor Castle, which is different. Um, so I don't know. This kind of thing just seems so ridiculous to me, but um, yeah, it's just British people being British. Fun. All right. Yeah. Well, the double knighthood. Double. I don't know how many people have done that, but that's, <laughs> that's sick. Congrats to Lewis. Yeah, good for him. All right, moving right along, uh, the, the moment I've been really waiting for is, you know, our our huge F1 correspondent, our data guy, um, getting into the details. Ian's going to talk us through this crazy, crazy race Sunday. Yeah, so the, the kind of purpose of this sector um, is just something that we're going to try out. I think that I, I'd like to do this whenever there's... A very notable race where there's like a lot to break down um, so this might be a little bit of a preview so this might be a little bit of a preview of what we're gonna get next year um, just as far as like when we have really cool races but I just I did want just because there were so many things I didn't want to just do uh, a team breakdown by itself so here we go let's talk about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix of 2021 we are gonna talk about this as if it were a play with four acts um, so let's start with act one. Here we go. Curtain call, baby. So, uh, because of qualifying, um, you know, Red Bull had a kind of like masterclass of teamwork. Checo gave Max a nice toe. Um, you know, they, they, they qualified very well. Um, Max was on P1, uh, was going to start the race on softs. Lewis was going to be P2 on mediums. Um, but you know, when the race started, Lewis gets ahead of Max going into turn one because of Max not getting off the line very well at the start again. Um, you know, on lap one, Max has those soft tires, makes a huge lunge, only tur- only nine turns in, um, which is like seemingly aggressive, but you know, we know how Max drives. He actually kept it within the track limits this time, and Lewis had to run wide. Um, but Lewis didn't just run a little bit wide. He ran extremely wide. He essentially cut all of turn 10. Um, and that was a huge advantage that Hamilton got off that because he was running the risk of being passed. Max kept it on track, um, and Lewis ended up, you know, half a second later with the 1.7 second gap. So um, that was something at the beginning where Red Bull was like, hey, he has to get that spot back. He gained a lasting advantage going off track. But because of turn one leniency uh, that that the FIA and that the stewards have, he actually didn't have to give the position back. So that was kind of the first like, oh, okay, that's interesting part. That'll be a talking point. Moving on to act two, the first pit stops. Max ended up pitting uh, 13 laps in. Lewis followed him right after uh, pitting 14 laps in. This was kind of weird because uh, Max was on soft tires, Lewis was on mediums, probably could have kept going a little bit, um, but instead the result of Lewis pitting was that Red Bull left Sergio out there to slow up Hamilton when he he finally got to Sergio. So Hamilton had about a 10-second gap to Sergio. Um, Max had about a 7- to 8-second gap behind Lewis. Um, you know, with fresh tires, Lewis closed like a 10 second gap to Sergio in about four laps. So the pace advantage was definitely there. Tires were massive for him, but super key aspect to this race, Sergio Perez defended like a lion. Um, the, the way that Alonso asked Esteban Ocon to a couple races back and didn't Sergio really put it kind of like all on the line. He was taking up a bunch of space in the middle of the track. Um, and like, look, he's already signed on for next year, but I really think that this is going to be in the minds of Christian Horner and Helmut Marco when they're considering who to bring back to accompany Max in 2023. So this was this was like a big deal. Um, and, you know, Max, 
the whole team at Red Bull were like, man, what a legend. Like, this is why we brought a driver with experience in. You know, uh, Sergio just backing up Lewis Hamilton like a Kanye West album release date. Uh, and Lewis ended up losing like five seconds because of Perez's uh, positioning on track throughout the turns. So all of a sudden, Max closes that gap to Lewis. We have Max on Lewis's tail all over again at lap 21. There's act two. Act three, the first kind of uh, main crash. So Giovinazzi runs into the wall, causing a safety car on lap 37. Max pits again, uh, during at which point, you know, because of the safety car, it's only about a 13-second loss because of the re- reduced speed. Lewis stays out during this virtual safety car. Um, so basically he's saying, like, I'm committing to going over 40 laps uh, on these hard tires at the end of the race because of the like the potential to lose track position was too high. So like that was it's kind of lost, but uh, like just in the shuffle. But that was like a risk by Mercedes there. Um, you know, basically banking on no more no more crashes, no more safety cars, anything like that. Thirteen laps later, we're at lap fifty. Lando Norris gets a puncture uh, after thirty one laps on the hard tires. This was super concerning for Mercedes because Lewis was on his 34th lap with eight laps to go. So thoughts kind of crept in about, you know, would Lewis maybe have a puncture? Would something maybe exciting happen here? Christian Horner is interviewed by the guys on the TV broadcast, and he says, look, we need some sort of miracle. And people were like, well, if you're going to get a miracle, it's going to be similar to Silverstone of 2020 where Lewis, uh, you know, had a puncture very late. Kind of gave the opportunity for Max to to close that gap. Uh, didn't end up working out for Max and Silverstone. Maybe it would in Abu Dhabi. So there's Act Three. Just kind of a little. Okay, Max has fresher tires. He's a little bit back. Not as far back though because of uh, it only being a 13 second loss under the safety car, virtual safety car. All right. Oof. I need I need to take a little bit of a breath here. Because Act 4, this grand finale, is what people, I mean, it's Wednesday today, people are still talking about this as if it were almost like like an invasion of another country. Like, this is, this is big time news. So, Max Verstappen and Red Bull's miracle that Christian Horner were talking about comes when Nicholas Latifi was having a battle with Mick Schumacher around turn 12, 13. Mick Schumacher kind of pushes him off the track, good defending. Um, and I was watching the Latifi on board when this happened and he's saying to his engineer, look, Hey, he, he pushed me off track. Um, it was like kind of relaying what happened. He loses focus for one millisecond and loses his rear at turn 14, goes right into the wall with five laps to go. And this, you could feel like, okay, this was, this was it. Like this is going to be what decides, um, you know, the race because Red Bull had to make something happen here. They were staring down an 11 and a half second gap uh, between Verstappen and Lewis with five laps left. So pretty unrealistic to make up that time. Um, and they realized, you know, if there's a time to make a move, it was now. Red Bull pulls Max in for softs at lap 53 while Latifi's car is getting cleaned up off track. Here is where the biggest controversy happened when it comes to the 2020 F1 season, or the one that's going to be remembered the most. So what happened? The answer to that is Michael Massey happened um, in a very unfortunate way. So keep in mind, Michael Massey, race director, he has the responsibility of overseeing the cleanup of accidents on track. He's the one to make the call if any race delays need to be made. Um, you know, So he's in constant contact with the marshals, clean up the crew, kind of feet on the ground uh, that make sure the, the race can resume. He was also responsible for making sure that the race continued in the most efficient way possible. And he also, in agreement with every other team, 
made it clear that he wanted the championship to end on track, right? They wanted the championship uh, to end with cars racing if possible. Um, That's why he released a statement earlier this week saying that there would be potential points penalty for deliberately taking out an opponent and having the championship decided, you know, not racing, um, but like through through other means. So, you know, that was kind of a warning shot at Max because if the two uh, title contenders collided, Max would have won the championship by default. But, you know, he's basically saying like, look, Max, if you end this crashing into Lewis right away, a la Senna Prost, like the battle back in the 19, late 1980s, you could risk getting a points deduction, which would make you vulnerable to automatically coming in second in the championship. So, Michael Massey's concern are safety and making sure the championship ends with cars racing. Those were his main focuses, main intents. Um, safety car comes out while Latifi's car is getting taken off the circuit, lap around 54 or stuff. Max go Max pits to go on the softs again didn't lose much time and when he comes out he is in second place behind Lewis Hamilton Norris Alonso Ocon Leclerc and Vettel are all guys who Lewis and Max have lapped but are between them within in track position at the moment so um, you know also worth noting Ricardo and Stroll are separating Verstappen and Sainz who's in third place it's also something important to keep in mind the TV broadcasters mentioned that you know okay this is normally mandatory that they let the cars through to pass the safety car uh it's normally only on like a wet day that they don't so Vettel and Alonso's radios uh if you listen to them they were very confused of like hey why are we not being let through like why is the safety car not letting us pass to unlap ourselves for whatever reason Michael Massey uh while he's working on getting the track clear you know he's got that in his ear and trying to make sure that the championship isn't anticlimactically decided behind a safety car uh, he tells lapped cars that they're not passing the safety car. This was like the big, like, Red Bull's going nuts. He's like, hey, why? Like, it's very, the precedent's been set that that lapped cars should pass the safety car to not interfere with the actual racing going on. Like, they would have had blue flags uh, immediately after the, the safety car stopped. But, you know, still, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to fight a P2, P1 battle when you don't have to pass five cars, uh, you know, immediately so remember Verstappen and Sainz are still technically racing too Um, that's P2 and P3 respectively Uh, but they had Ricardo and Stroll between them uh, while Max and Lewis had five the five other cars I mentioned between uh, you know between them so if the rules have been applied in a uniform way then technically all the five cars between Verstappen and Lewis would have gone through and all those cars behind uh, Verstappen and in front of Sainz would have gone through so that P1 P2 and P3 could have raced respect you know could have raced that didn't happen. Instead, only the five cars between Lewis and Max went through, and Michael Massey basically hurries up the safety car so that we can have one lap of, of good racing, which is what he wanted, you know, what he what he said he wanted from the beginning, like earlier on uh, in the week. Massey lets only the Lewis, the cars between Lewis and Max pass. So we have a situation where Max is on fresh softs, Lewis is on 42 lap old hard tires, right? Like 11 laps ago, uh, 11 laps ago was when Norris crashed, right, on, on lap 31. So, uh, you know, Max just easily overtakes him into turn five, winning the race by a thin margin. Um, and, and that's, what, you know, congrats, Max Verstappen. That's, that's what happens. Mercedes is furious, obviously, because of two reasons. Um, for one, Lewis, while he was behind the safety car and the, cars, the five cars behind him got passed, Max was kind of like letting his presence to Lewis be known which by saying like hey I'm right behind you like you you should see me um, but at one point Max does go a little bit ahead of Lewis Hamilton so that was their first like hey can't do that like it's pretty black and white 
Max was ahead of Lewis. So that was their first protest. The second protest was that like, hey, why did you bring the safety car into the pits when the track was, you know, before the track was ready to race again? Um, you know, that those are the kind of two like main complaints that Mercedes had. For the first one, uh, as far as like Lewis getting passed by Max behind a safety car, the stewards agreed that it happened, but basically said, "Look, this we can't let this be like the change, you know, the the change that happens um, to change the world championship winner. Like it had no uh, no consequences, non consequential to anything else in the race." As far as the second point of the safety car getting brought in before the track was ready, um, you know, for Article Forty Eight of the Sporting Code talks about lapped cars and like. They should unlap the the and pass the race leader to come back to the end the back of the field. So um, since five of the cars did that, but not all of the cars did that, like the ones between Verstappen and Sainz, that was what they were like. Look, this is not a rule that's applied in a uniform way. So you can't end the race just like hurrying up to let you know. In this case, let Max, who's on very soft tires and very good tires uh, with life in them, um, essentially just like overtake Lewis. It's just kind of like an easy layup. Uh, to, to give Max. The Red Bull argument was they were saying, look, this comes back to Article 15.3, which gives the race director complete overriding authority over the use of the safety car, essentially saying, look, we knew that the race was going to try to be finished while we were racing. Michael Massey has the authority of using that safety car kind of like at his leisure. Um, and Red Bull argued that it was precedent to let, let lapped cars through. And even though all lapped cars were not uh, told to overtake, um, you know, it wouldn't change the outcome if five versus eight did. Um, so, yeah, it's look, it's admittedly in, infuriating that it ended this way. Um, but my kind of take on it was like, look, if you love racing but don't understand that chaos is going to happen during a race and like split decisions have to be made, it's just like living on a on a boat and never expecting choppy water. Uh, like this is a, this is a sport that has a lot of ambiguity um, and like you know it's it's not always like the perfect uh, the perfect ending. Um, and, and it's not just like car racing, right? Like I was looking into it because I remembered the Kentucky Derby, the horse race in 2019. The a horse came across the line first, and then 22 minutes later, he was disqualified because he very barely veered wide uh, and accidentally stacked up other horses and, and caused one horse to even touch another one. So it wasn't the jockey's fault, it didn't do anything. The horse just barely took up too much space on a turn and caused a horse uh, you know, to brush up against another, and he got disqualified off of a win from the Kentucky Derby. So like it was a reversal of the winner. Um, obviously those are two different sports, but my point is that racing is just cruel. Like it's a, it's a part of the game. It absolutely sucks, especially when your side is the one getting the short end of the stick. It's just simply difficult to deal with. But the reality from, from my point of view is that, look, there was, there was a span of maybe four to five minutes where decisions had to be made there. Michael Massey did not have much time. Uh, you know, the stewards of the Kentucky Derby had, had, did not have much time. It's just common that stuff happens like this. Um, and especially, it's not like you can go back if you're Michael Massey and say, hey, actually, I screwed up. Uh, let's go back and redo the last, like, four laps. Uh, so, like, you know, it's, it's just tough. Um, I think both sides here, as you can probably see if you follow any F1 Twitter stuff, both sides have a good argument. Um, but it's just, that's racing, baby. And it, it sucks that it was the last race of the season and that Max's championship, his first championship, is probably going to be just a touch tainted. Um, but, you know, that's that's just how the that's how she goes, baby. That's the way she goes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts there? Anything anything to add? Anything I missed, Marco? No, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to take a step back. Obviously, like, the 
this isn't necessarily how it always happens, but if I were to say over the course of the entire season who the best driver was, it is Max. So like, yeah. it's not like you know Lewis had been you know some ridiculous thing happened and Lewis was cheated out of a like a well deserved drivers championship. Like Lewis clearly the second half was fantastic. Uh, I just think that like I mean if you look at all the the data the statistics like most laps led everything like Max was winning. And, and outperforming in all those metrics. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's how I kind of ca- keep moving back to if like I get caught up being annoyed about like potentially rules being broken or, or ter- like twisted uh, just to, you know, have in the benefit of Red Bull, I have to think like, hey, in, in hindsight, uh, Max was the better driver in 2021. He was the best driver in 2021. Yeah, I agree. And, and then Red Bull had the fastest car. Mercedes have said that. So you got, yeah, combination of best driver with fastest car. Uh, makes sense to me that, uh, that that Max would take this one home. So, um, I mean, yeah, again, it's just like going back to my to my good of Liberty Media. It's like, man, this the diehards are going to say that this was a disgrace, and they are saying that it was a disgrace to racing. It was a disgrace to Formula One. But holy shit, was it was it good entertainment? And it sucks to say that because, again, I don't want to, like, spit in the face of people who are like, oh, I've been watching this sport for 30 years. Like, this isn't true racing. It's like, look, man, it, it is. It, it, it is real racing. It just had to, like, there was a series of pretty unfortunate events that happened. Uh, and then, you know, here, here we are. Got a brand new world champion for the first time. Lewis has to wait for his eighth title uh, to, to defeat, you know, Michael Schumacher. And, um, and, yeah, here we are. It's just like, you know, what better way... Uh, I was on a Twitter Spaces yesterday, and and one of the guys said like, "What a for the Americans that love this sport, you better bet that all of them are getting behind Lewis right now, um, because it's like you know what a better redemption story than to have. You can argue that he had it you know stolen away from him, not by Red Bull, but just by like circumstances. Um, and you know what we love a comeback story here in the states. So um, yeah, it's it's like as if I weren't already ridiculously excited to see what's going to happen in 2022." This just adds to the drama and adds to the you know to the excitement. Yeah, I feel like yeah, starting it starting in twenty twenty two, the the excitement is going to be at an all time high for for myself as along with I would say most people just the way this ended and kind of like re bringing up all this rivalry between Mercedes and Red Bull. Yep. All right. Well, fantastic, fantastic breakdown of this race on Sunday. Uh, we will be covering kind of like what we typically do, the five top teams, uh, just kind of how they performed on Sunday. Uh, obviously, Ian did a great job at covering a lot of Red Bull and, and Mercedes. But uh, with that being said, let's get right into it. Let's do it. Um, so let's start with Alpine here. So yeah, starting off with Alpine, Esteban Ocon, P9 in Abu Dhabi, Fernando Alonso, P8. Uh, just overall for the season, like El Plan, which is what Fernando Alonso is calling the plan to get Alpine into championship contention material, seems to be coming along okay. Um, beat Alpha Tauri and, Alf- and Aston Martin, thanks to some awesome standout results like Ocon getting his maiden victory in Hungary. Um, but yeah, good trajectory over the course of the season, seeming to be like kind of heating up. And, uh, and yeah, like good pace. These are guys to watch out for for next year in 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, moving on to our P4 team, McLaren, Danny Ricardo, P12, Lando Norris, P7, 
Norris had a great qualifying, qualifying P3. He uh, he was being interviewed after quals, and uh, it was pretty entertaining hearing him just be like, I, I know I'm P3. I want nothing to do with these one, two. I would like to watch them <laughs> yeah. race. And like he probably knows the, the Twitter sphere of these crazy fans. And he's like, if I piss off one of these fan bases, like, I do. That is the last thing I want to be going through. So, uh, with that being said, he went wide very, very early to start the race, not trying to get mixed up with those title contenders. Unfortunately for Lando, he got another puncture, and uh, just like his luck, <clears throat> just bad luck rained down on him uh, at the end of the season. Obviously, we knew he was fantastic the first half. Uh, just you know, either bad luck or just uh, you know, just not great performances the second half. Uh, really, kind of. The tale of two, two tale of two seasons uh, for for Lando, uh, and ended ended up in P six in the drivers world championship. Only got eleven points in the past five races of the season. Uh, this is just a tough, tough way to end the season for someone who was P three during the halfway mark of the season, and it was just like it was like death by a thousand cuts. It was just like slowly these Ferrari guys are, are catching up bit by bit, and eventually came into the last couple of races of the season where they did end up passing him. Uh, on the other side of things, Danny Rick. Uh, I mean, obviously, I guess there's always next year, uh, you know, new to the car. I guess you can try to make as many excuses for him as possible, but this is also, he's kind of used to, to being out in new cars. Uh, McLaren was super high on Danny, as they should have when he came to McLaren. Had a really nice ending in Reynolds uh, last year. So, uh, forgettable season for him to end up P8 behind Ferraris and his teammate. Uh, I always kind of think of this, like, obviously because he's very light in nature, funny, uh, lighthearted guy. I always forget about his age. Uh, he's 32. Uh, he's definitely not old, but um, obviously not young either. And you wonder if he continues with this like erratic performance, if McLaren decides to go young again, uh, if, you know, how much he still like, he doesn't seem like a guy that wants to race till he's 40. I don't know. He just seems like, you know, it, it would, he likes to, you know, check out and, and do other things outside of the sport. So um kind of curious to see what Danny thinks his like kind of timing is with still being in, in Formula One. All right, and moving on to the P3 Constructors, the, the finishers on the podium for the Constructors' Championship at the end of the year. Carlos Sainz wrapping up a podium for the last race, uh, lands in P5 in the Constructors, so four and a half points ahead of Lando. Really pretty much maximized what that Ferrari could do, I think, over the course of the season. So it was good strategy, great driving. This is really a guy to keep an out, keep an eye out for next year, too. He, you know, when he came on to Ferrari, there was talk about him just kind of serving as a as a number two driver. He made it really clear that he was like, look, this that's not how like this is gonna go. Like that's not how nothing in my contract says that. Like I am fighting for you know to to beat my teammate, which is what he did. So you know, Carlos never finished worse than P11 all year um, for races that he that he finished. And then Charles, kind of disappointing race, um, finishing P7. Just one point behind Lando kind of has to hurt. Um, but, you know, especially with the momentum that they had at the end of the year, um, you know, kind of having some forgettable races. I know he qualified first at Monaco and then ended up not being able to start the race. Like, that could have been a big game changer for him. Um, but, yeah, I think there's there's big reason to be bullish behind Ferrari. They have a great team pairing, seem to work well together on track. And, yeah, the car just seems to be getting better. So, um, good good stuff. Round of applause for Ferrari, kind of pulling out that P3, which seemed pretty impossible halfway through the season when McLaren was really cooking. Yeah, yeah, they um... – yeah, high hopes for Ferrari. Uh, so, yeah, very exciting to see them with uh, 
kind of the last couple of years, uh, some serious worry for those boys. So uh, great end of 2021. Moving on to our P2, we have Red Bull, Max Verstappen, obviously P1, and Sergio with a DNF. Sergio uh, has a DNF in two races in a row to finish the season, but his teamwork caused an incredible defending, uh, as Ian mentioned, to let Max cut over six seconds to catch up after that first pit stop. Uh, Max, Max even said during his post-race interview, I would not be sitting here today without Checo. Uh, Max made no mistakes. Team took the necessary risks that ended up working perfectly for him. Uh, there's really, I, I would say, like not much more to say. Like, yeah. um, don't know if you could really call Max a nice guy, but uh, obviously his aggressiveness, uh, that like tenacity, definitely paid off for him to win that Drivers World Championship. Yeah. And again, congrats to them. Red Bull will have higher hopes next year for the Constructors Championship because they were also leading that at one point. But, but yeah, I mean, all, all the way around, I think Red Bull finally had like a breakthrough season where one of their drivers won, and that hasn't happened since you know 2014. So definitely needed that, I think, just to kind of like get the you know get the tides of change going. So mm-hmm. uh, moving on to Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton P2, Valtteri Bottas P6. So let's talk about Bottas here. He uh, lost two positions within the first two laps, so he called poorly, uh, had a poor start, um, and really Mercedes like needed Valtteri up there. Like Sergio being up there, like you said, was key for Max. It's fighting, you know, fighting in a race is very different when you have a teammate close to you on track um, that can kind of help with the strategy. So you know, regardless, uh, kind of forgettable last race for Bottas. You could tell on his engine radio, like. Uh, you could tell on his radio with uh, his race director, he was like, oh, sorry about that. Like, <laughs> my bad. Um, but as far as Lewis goes, I mean, he couldn't do anything different today. It was a great drive, good, got a good start, made his tires last. You know, Lewis, definitely an argument to be made that he deserved that championship almost equally to Max. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, it was, it was clear that, like, yeah, I, I think Mercedes was probably just too focused on what Red Bull was doing, kind of mimicking them, um, and it caused them to, to lose for, for – Lewis. Um, it was funny when Toto came over the radio to Michael Massey, uh, clearly at the start of someone about to ball his eyes out like a little baby saying, no, Michael, no, this is not right. Um, <laughs> and, so yeah, technically, no, it wasn't right. It wasn't perfectly fair. I think like it was either all the cars go ahead of the safety car or none of the cars go. Um, but that's how the cookie crumbles, as we mentioned. Uh, so question for you, how do you think that first, cause they're going to see each other. How do you think the first time Latifi sees Toto and Lewis is going to be? Because, uh, that, I mean, talk about someone like really on the shit list of both Toto and Lewis and like the whole Mercedes team, uh, especially when they are using a Mercedes engine in that, in that Williams, like, how would you think that reaction is going to go? Like you're a dog guy. So, you know, like you're a dog owner Yep. You go out of town, you go out to dinner, and you come back, and the couch is, like, everywhere. There's, you know, <laughs> like, it's all across the room, and, like, he is, he's, like, kind of curling his upper lip. He's shaking, and he sees you, and he's, like, trying to approach you. I shit, think shit, 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 shit. Yeah, he was just like, maybe they won't notice. I don't remember. Maybe don't remember what happened. <laughs> uh, and, like, tries to, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's going to be kind of similar, I think. Hopefully Toto and, and Lewis kind of, like, don't I don't know I would love to actually see them just give them the cold shoulder and completely like drop them from their lives entirely I think that'd be funny if they almost like it 
purposely ignored him in like in any way they could talking about him. So uh, that I think that would be a funny little tidbit. But yeah, I think Latifi's got a, his tail between his legs as far as one can go. Yeah, I mean that man, that sucks. My heart goes out to him because it's like all he was doing was trying to pass a fucking hoss, you know, toward the end yeah, of the race. Dude, but like you're fighting for for not to be in last place. There was yeah. no benefit True. to what he was doing. Like there True. wasn't like a hey, like I was trying to get these points. It was like no, I was fighting from. 16th dead last to 15th dead last yeah. like there was no reason for him to be making these type of maneuvers yeah you're right you're right but man i i mean netflix needs to demand that they get access to that first meeting when they when they are in the same room Lati- latifi <laughs> right. toto and lewis just to be like all right unfiltered you guys go ahead yeah that does it for our race recap uh, that was fantastic uh, we are going to wrap up our final 2021 race season episode with our race predictions recap uh, to fill everyone in. I had a slight two point lead 28 to 26 going into the final race and uh, starting right along. Who do we think will crash our DNF? I went with Yuki Sonoda who finished before. So uh, suck it. I went with Pierre Gasly who also had a wonderful race. I think he finished P5, P6. So no points for either of us there. Uh, yeah, nope, none at all there. That's fun. Uh, and we had a, like, uh, what, five, five cars retired. So yeah, tough, uh, tough playing those odds. Uh, our winner, uh, we did not want to go chalk for this one. Uh, we both obviously were without a Lewis count, wanted to do max. I went with Sergio, who was a DNF. And I went with Bottas, who had a very poor race finishing P6 in a Mercedes. So no points for either of us again. Uh, last place, I picked Nikita Mazovin. I uh, should have seen coming that he would DNF instead of uh, get last place. Yeah, had a lot of things go my way with going with Mick, uh, with a lot of crashing out. Uh, big shout out to Latifi for getting me that point there. So uh, I came away with a point with that. Uh, most overtakes, I went with Kimmy, who went out pretty early. And right when I saw that, I was like, well, there that goes my uh, most overtakes. That's moving on. I don't have a chance on that. Yeah, and I went with Sebastian Vettel. And lo and behold, Kimmy did have the most number of overtakes in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I was very wow. confused when I saw that. I'm like, you didn't even waste like half the race. So, yeah, uh, congrats to you for another point, making the score 30 to 26. Marco, basically just out of reach. Um, I did get driver of the day. I did pick Kimi Raikkonen, um, thinking that the F1 community was going to send him out well, and they did. Yeah, and then our douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. Uh, obviously, I went with Max, who, uh, I mean, I guess if you're a Lewis and a Mercedes fan, you could say he was the ultimate douche, but uh, nonetheless, he definitely was not. Yeah, and I uh, picked Sergio Perez, thinking that Perez was going to, since Max can't crash into anybody, I was thinking it was Sergio's turn to step up and be a team player. Uh, but, you know, I don't even think we had a douche of the day. I think uh, Michael Massey might have taken that home. Maybe douche of the season, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. And uh, fastest pit stop minus Red Bull also snagged a point here to make the loss of the season a little less embarrassing by picking Ferrari for the fastest pit stop minus Red Bull. Yeah, and I went with Mercedes. So yeah, I mean, just Ferrari figured it out, dude. Like dude. every single time that I was like, it can't happen again. It's got to be the la- again. At least like the last five of the six. So it seems like to be something that they're yeah. focusing on, getting the getting the fundamentals right. Yeah, not, it's not just about the car. It's about every aspect of the race. And yeah, they're they're definitely putting that time and commitment into that. 
Uh, to top us all off with our wild card prediction, I went with no DNFs. Whoops. There were uh, a, a, a few of them, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, a fourth of the grid not finishing the race. Um, and then I picked contact between Lewis and Max, but we did smartly specify so that we didn't have to get lawyers involved um, that it was going to be contact between Lewis and Max where one of them didn't finish the race. So they did touch. Um, and Lewis kind of like veered off. I think that was turn one that they that they made contact. But they both finished the race, so no points for me. Let me be the first to wish Marco the inaugural uh, race predictions recap champion. Um, you know, uh, a big congratulations to Marco. I think this was a hard fought battle, hard fought battle um, that we were we've been fighting over this since you know March. So uh, yeah, congratulations mm-hmm. to you. Seven months, uh, or I guess shoot, I'll take that back. Nine months. Of a, of a tough fight, um, coming out with 30 points, a very impressive showing. And, yeah, I, I guess I'll just – I'll see you next year. Yeah, thank you. I think we should clap yeah, it up. Clap it up for Marco. Yeah, for myself, for just a great season uh, from, from the both of us. I still remember the one week I believe I was down five or six, down – I was like 17-11 or something like that. You <laughs> had been ripping on me a little bit, and ever since that time, <laughs> I think that's, that's the day that I could – we can look back and said things changed because yeah. of this. So, uh, thank you for giving me that uh, that drive, that push <laughs> to uh, never give up and, and to sh- to prove the haters wrong. Still, Marco rises, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, that'll do it for us. What a race! What a season! Um, you know what a what a fun time podcasting with my buddy. We have some very fun stuff planned for. Um, this coming off season. So definitely stick around. Uh, let us let us take up some real estate in your ears here so that we can, I think we're just going to be talking about like cool stories that happened in Formula One. Might do a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of tech talk. Might go talk about some old, uh, some old racers, old people and personalities in Formula One. So we'll keep it very interesting throughout the off season and also keep you updated of all the news that's going on within the Formula One universe. Uh, but for now, I think, uh, I think we just bow out. Thank, uh, thank the good racing gods for a wonderful season that was just you know excitement from the very beginning uh, to the very end, literally the last lap. Um, you know, no other way that that could have ended. So, like we said, applause, applause, and we will see you next time. See you, assholes. <laughs>